All right, so it's important that as a church we pray. And as we begin our week of prayer, I wanted to launch into it by getting us to turn to a scripture. And there it is. If you've got your Bibles, you might like to flick over to, to, to Matthew, the seventh chapter. And uh, we're not going to be too, not going to go on for too long. I'm aware time is shooting past ever so quick. But I did want us to just start this week of prayer from the Bible, from the scriptures. And uh, I promise you, as we look at this passage, if you get hold of what's being said just in these scriptures, <laughs> it'll change your life, all right? So it's not just conveying information now, we're looking at truth that will change our lives. So it's not a long passage, so I'm going to ask that we all join in and we read the passage out. There it is on the screen, let's all pitch in and let's all together read the word of God. Let's go for it. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. Father, we've already been praying to you this morning, and we thank you for the privilege of doing that. And I just pray, as we just ponder these verses for a while, you would please build such truth into our hearts that it would indeed change our lives and that we would increasingly be a people of prayer in truth. Amen. Amen. Okay, fairly famous passage of scripture, but to get the full power of it, you know what, I think we need to put it back into its scriptural context. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but this passage comes toward the end of, of what is famously called the Sermon on the Mount. You've ever heard that expression before? Where the Beatitudes come from, that's that uh, sermon where it kind of begins, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, and, and so on. And actually, it's a sermon that goes on for a few more chapters after that. And these verses on prayer are part of that sermon. And you see, it's important to know for us to know this context because of what the Sermon on the Mount is actually all about. All right? You see, interestingly, it's not a sermon that Jesus preached to vast crowds. I know if you look on the, the Hollywood film version and, and the one or two TV series, you've got a whole thousands of people on a hillside and, and Jesus stands up before them and says, blessed are the poor in spirit. But the truth is, Truth is, it's not what happened. If you look at verse of chapter 5 where this comes, the first verse that introduces it goes like this. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. All right, so Jesus here is speaking to a small group of disciples those who've truly decided to follow him, which at this time was only a handful. If you look at the chronology, a handful of people. And if you ask what, what's Jesus doing here with, with this little group, well, it becomes really clear. Jesus is in the process of setting up his kingdom upon the earth. 
And we looked at this a bit last week, didn't we? God's intent is that the kingdom of heaven will break out upon the earth and increase and increase until eventually the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Or as Ephesians 1 says, Ephesians 1 says this, that uh, all things in heaven and earth will be brought under one head, even Christ. Hallelujah. And so there will eventually be a new heavens and a new earth. And, and here in Matthew 5, Jesus, for the very first time, is beginning to gather citizens for that heavenly kingdom. He's gathering them in. All right, it's very important to see. There's a, a lovely quote from a, a, a great scholar, really, N.T. Wright. He says this. He says, The life of heaven, the life of the realm where God is already king, is to become the life of the world, transforming the present earth into the place of beauty and delight that God always intended. And those who follow Jesus are to begin to live that way here and now. Right? And here Jesus is gathering a people who will begin to live that way. Right? Who will begin to live the life of heaven here and now. Jesus is establishing a community of glory. In fact, he's establishing the church as it was meant to be. And in this Sermon on the Mount, he's sketching out the culture of this heavenly community, how it's going to be, and what will make it different from every other community in, in the world. And it's true, isn't it? Every, every nation, every kingdom has its own culture that marks it out and makes it different from every other culture. It's true, isn't it? This came home to me several, uh, about, well, five years ago now, I think, five or six years ago. As a family, we found ourselves on holiday in Italy. And there is the biggest Tommy tourist photo you'll ever see <laughs> of a guy. And I'm very embarrassed about it, but that's me. Tommy tourist with his camera. Uh, New Zealand on holiday, and, uh, and there we were in Italy as a family, and uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. But the thing is, I found out this. I found that Italy is different to New Zealand. Yeah, there are differences, believe it or not. In fact, as soon as I landed in Rome, we landed there, I, I knew it was different. Straight away, it just smelled different. And it, wasn't, it was neither good nor bad. It was just different. It had a different smell to it. And then, uh, as soon as I got into our hire car, I could see it was different because the steering wheel was in the wrong place. <laughs> and, uh, and then we edged out on our way into the streets. Uh, uh, we came across these Italian drivers, and one stereotype is true. They're crazy. They're crazy drivers. Have we any Italians here this morning? <laughs> Wonderful drivers. No, they're crazy. They're maniacs. They're crazy drivers. And uh, uh, anyway, there we were driving around in... In Italy, and uh, but there's so much that was different. The houses were different, the shops were different, the people were different. I don't know, they just seemed to be a bit more out there somehow expressing themselves. It was wonderful, really. You know, trying to late at night, there's kind of noise, and there's eating, and there's parties, and they talk a lot, and they laugh a lot, and they shout a lot, as I found when I was driving. And uh, actually, I was trying to get on a toll booth onto a highway, it was all in Italian, didn't know where to put my cash. Cars banking up behind us, and honking the horn, and before long you hear these Italians, you know, "Bye, bellissima," and whatever they come shouting at you, and uh, and it kind of rubs off on you because you want to kind of, you know, you want to shout back, you know, you want to kind of go, "Bape pepperoni," and you want to say things like, uh, "You're touching my car, I break your face," and things like that, and uh, "Capiche," and 
you know, it's just kind of wonderful, really. It's a point is it's very different to New Zealand. And as you go through the Beatitudes, you find that this community of the kingdom is to be different too. I mean, it's a community that Jesus says will be full of kingdom grace and power. Why? Because, as he says, it's for those who are poor in spirit, for those who know they need God, and for the gentle and the meek. That's the beatitude. Blessed are the meek. It's a community that will overflow with the mercies of God just because they love having mercy on each other. So it's a merciful community. That's another beatitude. Or not only that, it's a community that will see God a lot. Why? Because one of their values is to be passionate about purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so on and so on. And, and Jesus goes on in the following chapters to mention other things about this heavenly community. There'll be a people who won't judge each other. There'll be a people who won't hate. They will love one another. A people who will reject lust in all its forms. A, a people who won't be anxious. Imagine a community like that, like no other on earth, and, and that really does smell of heaven. There's no other community like that. And, and that's the culture of this community that Jesus is forming. And then Jesus also adds in here, oh, and by the way, this people will be a people of prayer. A people who pray. And so straight away we know that prayer is a key value, a key part of this heavenly kingdom that Jesus is establishing on the earth. But, and this is really important, the prayer that's been talked about here is prayer like no other. All right? So the fact is every culture prays. Every religion prays. Even every secular society actually prays in one sense. Everybody prays. But Jesus is saying here, in my kingdom community, in my colony of heaven on earth, prayer is going to be totally different to all other prayer. And it's different because of two things. It's different because of one, it will have a certain expectation, and two, it will have a certain understanding. All right? A certain expectation and a certain understanding. And I just want to look at these, these two for a few minutes before we close. Number one, a certain expectation. Let's go back to the passage we saw earlier and read the first part of it. This is Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. What's Jesus saying? He's simply saying this. In my kingdom, in my kingdom, you will ask and you will receive. <laughs> That's what he says. You will seek and you will find. You will knock and it shall be open to you. In other words, you will pray, you will be heard, and you will be answered. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the clear expectation. You see, it's really important to see Jesus doesn't qualify this at all. He doesn't qualify it. It's important to see that. Here's this teaching on prayer. He doesn't try to explain it so it doesn't say this anymore. I mean, he could have. He could have looked down the centuries and could have looked at us and how we struggle with prayer or unanswered prayer. You know, why wasn't my prayer answered, Lord? Why wasn't 
he healed? You know, why, why didn't the cash come in when I prayed for it? Why didn't the house sale go through? Why didn't my, fi- why didn't my company uh, survive? You know, we, why not, Lord? Why, why, why? We have all these questions, don't we? But, but Jesus doesn't address any of these here. He could have, but he doesn't. He simply says, this is how it is in my kingdom. You will ask and you will receive. You will seek, you will find. You will knock and it will be opened. Very strong, very simple, very clear. And if we will be kingdom people, we need to learn how to walk that out. Walk through that tension. I, I say we need to learn because the temptation we have so often is to, <laughs> is to create, I guess, and fall back on elaborate theologies to explain why our prayers aren't always answered. We've become very skilled at that over the years, and I understand that. I totally understand that. But the problem with that is that often, as we pray, we're now more conscious of why God may not answer my prayer than the fact that he wants to. In other words, it can feed our doubt. And so no wonder prayer becomes hard for us. No wonder it's the last thing we do when we tried everything else. No, did everything else. Okay, let's pray. Now, Jesus here is laying out what kingdom prayer is. We expect to receive, to find, and the door to be open. Now, the tense is present continuous, all right? So, so look, it's, uh, it's there is a, a seek and keep. This is a seeking element to this. We knock and we carry on. Uh, we, we, we carry on to knock and, 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 we, and we ask and we keep on asking, all right? So there's a laying hold of God that's part of this and, and that's what we'll be doing over the week. But there's a total expectation. He hears, he will answer. Kingdom prayer is faith prayer, all right? Kingdom prayer is faith prayer. Now, having said that, it's not blind faith prayer, all right? And that's because it's based on the second point. It's based on a certain understanding. And that's in the second part of this passage. Jesus goes on to say this, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. Hallelujah. See, the conviction that we will be answered rests on a radical understanding. We've already had it mentioned to us this morning. God is our Father. God is our Father. Now, I know these days we tend to be a little familiar with the idea of this, but in Jesus' day, it was a totally foreign concept. To the Old Testament Jew, God was always very big. He's transcendent. He's all-powerful. He's Lord God of hosts. He's holy, holy, holy. He's judge of all. He's distant. In the Old Testament, you couldn't even say what his name was. The Lord was all you could say. But then Jesus comes on the scene, and almost the first thing he says in the Sermon on the Mount is, he says, when you pray, pray, our Father. And you've got to imagine the disciples, when they heard that, they were just about falling off their chairs. It's like, blasphemy, blasphemy, you can't say that. But he does, he does. Jesus is saying, no, in this kingdom community that I'm forming on earth, this is how it will be. 
And this is the certain understanding upon which we know God hears us and will answer. And to really drive the point home, I think Jesus does something amazing. He takes our, our imperfect human understanding of fatherhood and uses that to explain God's heart toward us. That's actually a radical thing to do. It's like he's saying, look everybody, we all agree in the fallen world that we're in, we know this is how fathers respond to a request from their kids. All right? They won't disappoint them or won't want to. They won't, they won't trick them and they won't harm them. In fact, any good dad will do his best to give good gifts to his kids. We all understand that. We get that. And then Jesus says, how much more will the perfection of fatherhood do these things? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is why we can ask and receive, why we can seek and find, why we know the door will be open. Kingdom prayer understands that. Yes, God is all-powerful. He's sovereign. He's holy. He's Lord of all. He's the supreme king of all kings. But number one in the kingdom of heaven, he is Father. He is Father. I look back on my own dad with all of his imperfections, and he had lots of them. But never did it ever enter my head that he would trick me or disappoint me or harm me when I asked him for anything. How much more am I convinced that my heavenly father will give good gifts to them that ask him? It's really simple this morning. Galatians 4.4, God sent his son that we might receive adoption to sonship. He set this whole relationship up. God sent Jesus not just to save us from hell, but to bring us into the house of the Father. There's a wonderful uh, teacher, a wonderful reformer, a Puritan. Please read the Puritans. Wonderful Puritan teacher, writing in the 17th century. He says this, John Owen says, If it is an honor to stand in the presence of princes, though but as servants, what honor then have all the saints to stand with boldness in the presence of the Father and there to enjoy his intimate love, intimate and precious love? Folks, this is why we know that when we pray, as we pray this week, he hears us, he will answer us. It's why he is eager to give us good gifts and will not disappoint. Hallelujah. Our calling is to be a community of kingdom people. That quote again, the life of heaven, the life of the realm where God is already king is to become the life of the world, transforming the present earth into the place of beauty and delight that God always intended. And those who follow Jesus are to begin to live that way here and now. Can I just say that that is not an over-realized eschatology for anybody who's anxious. It's simply walking out the new covenant. It's walking into the world of the Beatitudes. It's coming and becoming the people Jesus was beginning to gather all those years ago. A people who even now learn to live the way we will live in heaven. Hallelujah. So over this week of prayer, we're going to pray as people of the kingdom. We will ask and keep asking. We will seek and keep seeking. We'll knock and keep knocking. And breakthroughs will come. Amen. Breakthroughs will come. 
even now among us, hallelujah, breakthroughs are happening as people seek and keep seeking and pray and keep praying. We just want to make a little bit of space now, just as we close, for a story. Many of you will know about the story from the outside, but it's good to hear from those who are in the story themselves. Sally and Jack, you want to just share about your journey? Just come forward. Yeah, let's welcome, shall we? This is their testimony. So, as you can see, we had a little girl about three months ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's quickly losing the plot, I think, but I think we'll make it through. Um, so, some of you will know the full story of what went on. Some of you will know some of the story. Um, so, we just wanted to let you all know kind of what actually happened. So, we found out we were pregnant um, coming up a year ago, I think, um, and we were stoked. Um, it's what we'd wanted. And about we, so we had our um, standard 12-week scan, which is where they kind of check that everything's okay, and it was not. It was terrible. Um, so, we were told that this baby was in real trouble, and... Um, it, yeah, it felt like the floor kind of fell away from us, really. We were just like, God, what's going on? Like, you promised us this baby, and now things are horrendous. Um, so what they said that they were saying is that... <laughs> what they said they were saying was that um, it wasn't compatible with life. So there were quite some severe medical things going on. Um, so... And so, yeah, so we didn't know quite what that meant, but we knew it wasn't good. Um, so, and this happened two days before church camp. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we felt really strongly that we wanted and needed to be really open um, with our friends and family and um, come along to church camp and um, worship through everything because that's, you know, where the rubber really hits the road. Um, and... Yeah, so we then had, um, so it was when the Bedford team were here as well, and so they really helped us work through some stuff um, and deal with a lot of disappointment that was going on, um, but we were actually, yeah, feeling not too bad about it, surprisingly. So at 13 weeks, we had a consultation with um, a team in Wellington, and they said the likelihood is that it's either Down syndrome or something else called Turner's syndrome, and that um, which is another chromosome disorder. Um, and so they said that the so that what they were seeing was the symptoms were so severe that the either of those outcomes it was going to be pretty bleak. Um, they said whatever happens, whatever it is, unlikely that this baby will survive, um, especially if it was Turner's. And so we decided to have a test so that they could confirm what it was that we were dealing with, and it turned out it was Turner's. And so, which by the nature means that it was a little girl, because only only girls have Turner's. Um, and, yeah, they told us that it, they were, she was very unlikely to make it through to birth. Um, yeah, so around this time... Um, a good man called Deli um, had a had a chat with me and um, really encouraged us to to get on it and start praying. Um, so I decided I'd get up um, every night around 2 a.m. Um, to just dedicate some time to pray and to fight for this little girl. Um, and we also had a world, literally the world, full of people 
um, praying for this little life, um, which was many of you guys and people in uh, the UK and the States and um, other places. Um, and uh, yeah, so during some of our prayer times, God would speak to us. Um, for example, we were just driving to work one day and sort of Sally felt the word new life as we pass some cherry blossom and that kind of thing. Um, before we even knew about any issues, um, I had felt God say the word um, peace over her life. Um, and, you know, I'd always heard that peace that goes beyond understanding and that kind of thing. Um, but didn't, I don't know if I believed it or whatever because I'd never experienced it before. But um, through this time, we genuinely felt peace that didn't really make sense. But it was um, very deep, um, very deep peace. Um didn't make sense to feel peaceful in an earthly sense, but we really felt it. Um, and before the pregnancy, we've been thinking about names and what we wanted to call her. And um, Taya was one that neither of us said, nope, hate it. Um, so it went on our, our joint list. Um, and um, yeah, months later, when things were getting tough, Sally decided, we didn't know what it meant or anything, but Sa Sally decided to look up uh, the meaning of Taya. And it turned out that one of the meanings was perfectly formed. Um, and, uh, yeah, God's just so kind and gave that to us to hold on to and to speak over her her life. Um, her second name is Olivia, um, taking that idea of peace that God spoke over her life um, and that we've experienced. Um, so, yeah, as the months went by, this little girl was still around, um, to the surprise of the doctors and growing. Um, and at each scan, one of the symptoms seemed to either completely disappear or um, get significantly better. Um, the doctors went from talking about when she would last until um, to talking about life after birth and what that might look like. Um, we uh, kept everyone up to date, um, and people were praying into the specifics of each situation over her life um, as each new development um, from the scans came. Um, five days before she was born, they discovered a potential problem in her heart, which hadn't shown up to that point. Um, so out went the text, and everyone was praying. And um, yeah, it was really tough after seeing like such improvement um, to have such a huge uh, setback. Um, so she was due to be induced um, on the Wednesday that was coming up, and um, which would have been two weeks early um, from her due date. Um, but this little girl seems to like to do things her own way. Um, and so came by herself on the Saturday, um, three days before they were going to induce her, um, which we were really stoked about. Um, and then they were able to see that the heart was an issue once she was born. So we were flown up to Starship Hospital, um, who were like outstanding. Um, obviously, you never want to be there, but if you are there, it's the best place to be. Um, they operated on her um, when she was about five days old, um, which actually went really well. Um, and she seemed to recover twice as fast as the doctors had kind of told us she would. Um, meanwhile, everyone praying, praying away. Um, and then actually just this week, we just had um, our clinic with the Starship people, which they schedule in because they fly down from rather than everybody else have to fly up to Auckland. Um, and yeah, they did all the checkup scans and everything, and they're really happy with um, her heart, and it's looking really strong, and everything else is looking good. And um, 
yeah, they don't want to see us for the next year. Um, so we just want to thank um, all of you who have been praying over this last year. It's like really meant a lot to have um, whānau here and whānau overseas and being able to um, pray together um, through specifics. And we just yeah want to glorify God for his faithfulness and his um, answering uh, prayers throughout this whole time and his peace through it all as well. Yeah. Hallelujah. I know when the news first came in that things were bad, it was a, a heartbreaking time and uh, lots of tears and it, it looked really bleak. So now to see this lovely little girl whose eyes open looking around, when the doctors were saying, no, she won't last, won't, won't reach full term. Uh, and here she is. And it's a journey of prayer. Seek and keep seeking. Ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Breakthrough comes. And here's this beautiful little girl that we can rejoice in. This is about God's grace. It's about his mercy. It's about the love of his people. It's also about the gift of prayer. And uh, this week we're going to be praying for some issues and believing for miraculous breakthroughs again and again. Let's just stand, shall we? I know time is well gone. You've got to pick up your kids. But I just wanted to finish with a prayer. And that is just to commit ourselves to this week of prayer. And maybe you can't get to many of the meetings. Maybe you can't get to any. But I want to encourage you to pray nonetheless. I'll try and send out emails every day just to remind you of points to pray for and keep you in the loop. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you are our heavenly Father. And we thank you for Taya, Lord, how you watched over her and you formed her in Sally. Lord, we thank you that whatever, yeah, that we thank you for doctors who work so hard and we thank you for the, what they can bring and we praise you for that. But we praise you too that, that you are the author of life and you're the one that we trust our lives to. And we thank you that you're the one that we can come and pray and ask and seek and knock. And we thank you, Lord, that part of your kingdom principle is that we can ask to a God, a Father is happy to give and to bless. So I pray, Lord, that you help us get hold of this wonderful gift of prayer this week in ways that we've never done. Father, however we have our prayer lives, I pray you would expand it this week. Father, we want to lay hold of you and be changed in the process. And Father, I want to thank you in advance for the breakthroughs that will come because we set time aside to seek your face and to pray. Father, we're looking for a church that no person could grow. We're looking for something that only God can do. We're looking for a church community that is a miracle, that is a work of God's grace. And so as we pray over this week, God, please visit us again and again in our praying. And please, Lord God, we are looking for breakthroughs and lives to be transformed and changed for your glory's sake. Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer. We pray now, help us to grow in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well done.